Welcome to the Hillside. I am your host, Tina Kampala, telling you Karibu Sana to The Christian Podcast. Thanking you so much for finding the time to join me. And as always, I will ask you to step right here, up here on the hillside of life, where the view is breathtaking and the air is fresh. I want to thank each and every one of you who has continued to download and listen to our podcast and pray from the deepest parts of my heart that it is changing your life. So as always, let's start with the book of Revelation chapter number three and verse number 20. And it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The Lord is standing at the doors of your heart and he is beckoning and asking that you may open the doors of your heart that he may come in and start that life-changing relationship with you. Will you open the doors of your heart? So today, I want us to put on our thinking caps as Christians and we will be tackling the question, is it time to kiss dating goodbye? Is it time to kiss dating goodbye? A couple of years back, Joshua Harris, in his book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, uh, brought out some arguments that many of us have taken time to, to read and begin to really think about dating in a far different, different way. And today I just want us to really put our thinking caps on and begin to ask ourselves some critical questions. Those of us who are not married and are engaging or thinking of engaging in dating, but we may begin to ask ourselves whether we should get into, into dating or not. So everyone is dating or, or so it seems. And for every Christian young lady and young man, it may seem as though maybe it's time to consider getting into the dating game. And maybe even you have already started dating. But I really want to us to take some good time to consider if we should take on dating or not. Now, just a background that in the late uh, 19th century, courtship morphed uh, into dating as poor women who had no parlor in which to chat with, with a boo or a young man began to meet with men in public places and gradually public dating became the norm desired by both the rich and the poor. And with this change, the balance of power shifted away from the female who was now out of the protection of her home to the male who was usually paying for the socialization. The involvement of parents was minimized and over time temporary romantic thrills rather than level-headed planning for marriage became central to the experience. The Bible does not mention the word dating. With this said, I would define dating as the process a single person goes through to find the right partner to marry. We need to all agree that dating must have a purpose, meaning that we must have an end result or a destination or goal for dating. I have considered some very important questions that we all need to ask ourselves as we make this decision. My question number one, intimacy or commitment? Now, Christians are called to stand apart, and the Bible is clear that sexual intimacy is a gift from God to be, ex be experienced by a husband and a wife. Outside the marriage relationship, sexual intercourse is seen. Many times, dating can, not all the times, lead to intimacy. 
Now, intimacy is defined as closeness between people in personal relationships. It, it's what builds over time as you connect with someone, grow to care about each other and feel more and more comfortable during your time spent together. It, it can include physical or emotional closeness or even a mix of both. As Christians, sexual intimacy is out of the question. Beyond the temptation to have a premarital sex, emotional and physical bonding of any kind has consequences. One study showed a correlation between a high school crush and a lifelong tendency towards depression. Other research correlates suicidal tendencies with frequent bonding and breakup. But it doesn't take academic brilliance to know that breakup is damaging. The human heart wasn't built for uprooted affections, but for life, for longevity in love. When the fire of passion burns outside of the boundaries of marriage, it leaves its troublesome legacy behind. The very fire that God intended to bring, life brings destruction when not managed properly. If you are dating with marriage in mind, take great care to stay clear of the physical intimacy. You know how easy it is once you're in love with someone to let your physical relationship go further than you want it to go. Keep in mind that dating without purpose brings nothing but confusion and heartbreak. For those who are dating with no commitment in mind, you should consider intentional dating rather than aimless romance. My question number one was intimacy or commitment. My question number two is, is the friendship stage of the relationship experienced? You know, the friendship stage is a critical phase of any relationship. You know, you are able to see the other person for who they are and also present your real self to them, which is an excellent foundation for a long-term relationship. Being friends before dating allows you to know the real person and not who they pretend to be. It also gives you the opportunity for you to be yourself. Dating says, I am attracted to you. Let's get to know each other. While friendship says, we are interested in the same things. Let's enjoy the common interests. Dating without friendship is superficial. Why put so much pressure on someone because of your own expectations and desires? When you develop a genuine friendship, there are no expectations. You both can be your true selves. You can learn everything you want to know about the, each other. You don't have to worry about pretending to be someone you're not. Your prospective partner can relax in knowing that you can be them. They can be themselves and not worry about if you're going to ask about a relationship. Developing a bond of friendship before a relationship may be better than just letting attraction get the better of you and discovering later that you can't even be good friends. So my question number two was, is the friendship stage of the relationship experienced? My question number three, is it love or is it lust? Now, the Bible provides no legitimate examples of romantic intimacy outside of marriage. Samson is probably the Bible's foremost single playboy, and his serial dating resulted in a total compromise of his faith. This is not to say that eventual partners did not meet and get to know each other within the body of the believers in both Old and New Testament times. But as to the mechanics of that process... 
there is profound silence. The coupling phase of a marriage union wasn't hot press. Contrast that the fact that most movies and television feature romantic and sexual drama. The world is obsessed with attraction and lust, but the word says much more about how to cultivate love within the confines of a home commitment. The takeaway lesson for us is that we should screen and manage our attractions by the criterion of who we would be happy with on the long-term basis. Isaac was 40 years old before he found the companion of his dreams. This means that he experienced his sexual prime as a celibate. Not only did he live through his experience, but he learned self-restraint that made his marriage the only one among the patriarchs not to descend into polygamy. The most touching verse in his story is the last one. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and he took Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her. How comforting to those of us sickened by the current trend of shallow, sensualized relationships. Some might feel inclined to react to prearranged marriage with how unromantic. This verse shows, however, that dating and courtship, while apparently luxuries of modernity, aren't indispensable. Like luxuriant roses growing out of rich soil, the most gorgeous love affairs have their roots in a deeply committed relationship. That's when the real excitement starts and it puts all the popular drama of the dating game to shame. My question number three was, is it love or is it lust? My question number four, does it isolate from other vital relationships? Elizabeth Elliot says, unless a man is prepared to ask a woman to be his wife, what right has he? to claim her exclusive attention. Consider the big picture. Marriage is not just a union between two individuals, but two families unite at the altar. For Isaac and Rebecca in the, in the Isaac and Rebecca love story, there reveals a constant conferring between God, fathers, mothers, uncles, bride and groom. Everyone was involved with the decision because everyone would be affected by it. In most cases, parents can be safely and beneficially consulted. Age makes a person a better judgment of character. Often, a parent's objective eyes can see what love-blinded eyes cannot. Relationships are one of the most important aspects of our lives, yet we can often forget just how crucial our connection with other people are for our physical and mental health and well-being. People who are more socially connected to family and friends or their community are happier, physically healthier, and live longer. With fewer mental problems than people who are less well-connected. It's not just the number of friends you have, and it's not whether or not you're in a committed relationship, but it's the quality of your close relationship that matter. Living in conflict or within a toxic relationship is more damaging than being alone. Loneliness and isolation remain the key predictors for poor psychological and physical health. Having a lack of good relationships and long-term feelings of loneliness have been shown by a range of studies to be associated with higher rates of mortality, poor physical health outcomes, and lower life satisfaction. 
let's ask ourselves if dating creates isolation to other vital relationships. If yes, we need to begin to question our choices regarding dating. My question number four was, does it isolate from other vital relationships? My question number five, is it a distraction from primary responsibilities? Dating will always compete with other areas of our life for our time and attention. If it's not your studies, it will be your job. If it's not your job, it's your social engagements and so on. Ultimately, it's up to you to figure out how to prioritize these things and strike an appropriate balance. Is dating distracting you from preparing for the future? How long do you take talking, writing, thinking or worrying about the relationship? So if a relationship is something you want in your life, then you should pursue a relationship. Keep in mind that your personal growth is equally important if you want to derive true happiness and make the most of your life. Or else you might regret your decisions later when you make a huge sacrifice of your goals for the sake of your relationship. For those who do not have marriage in mind, take an audit. If there's a balance between you, your relationships and your life goals, or is your relationship taking the better part of your life? The better part of your life. My question number five is, is it a distraction from primary responsibility? My sixth and final question to you, as you contemplate the question, is it time to say goodbye to dating? Is it discontentment with God's gift of singleness? Remember that singleness is an incredible gift from our loving Father, and a gift is meant to be cherished. Every God-given gift is accompanied with the support necessary to handle it. So what are we to do with this gift? How do we steward it well to God's glory? While it is true that we are made for relationships, being single and being alone are two different situations. Both Jesus and Paul were single men, but they were far from alone. In fact, it would be argued that their singleness allowed them to have more relationships and at, a great, at, and at greater depths. Singles should be encouraged that they are not left out of God's plan. Actually, quite the opposite is true. Like God's established marriage as, as the earthly like God established marriage as the earthly representation of the eternal union between God and his church, God established singleness as the earthly demonstration of Christ's sufficiency in an eternity of perfect communion with him. Indeed, the single life is a powerful witness to the gospel, one that perhaps now more than ever, both the church and the world desperately need to see. Singleness has boundless opportunities for growth and learning. Not appreciating singleness makes us poor stewards of singleness. It's not a mistake that you are single right now. It is a special and unique gift that the Lord has graciously given you. For those who do not have marriage in mind, it would be great to embrace the gift of singleness and use the unique gift to the glory and the honor of God. My question number five was, is it discontentment with God's gift of singleness? And finally, could it be time for some of us to say goodbye to dating? Remember, put the end in mind. Therefore, being intentional in all your relationships. A good example is in the story of Abraham's trusted servant, who was sent from Canaan to Mesopotamia for the express purpose of finding a wife for Isaac. He persevered in prayer for God's leading and providence, unfolded a plan before him, 
like the petals of a flower. The partners and their families traced the unmistakable hand of God and were united in marriage. It was a simple, elegant story of divine principles operating upon two people within the framework of customs and culture. The same is possible today. God didn't give us a precise step-by-step manual for conducting our relationships, but he did give us principles. God's principles preserve it in its most artful and exhilarating form. He requires us to perform only those duties that will lead our steps to heights of bliss to which the disobedient can never attain. Could it be time to say goodbye to dating? Well, that's up to you. Thank you so much for listening and God bless you. <music>